You're listening to Adapted by The Narrative Labyrinth. Welcome to Adapted by the Narrative Labyrinth, a new limited series where we invite guests to come and talk about one individual franchise or story and how it's been translated across different mediums and medias. Welcome to Adapted by the Narrative Labyrinth, a new limited series where we invite guests to come and talk about one individual franchise or story and how it's been translated across different medias and mediums. I'm your host Rachel and in this episode I'm thrilled to be joined by Brandon T. McClure of the Fake Nerd Podcast. Hi. So what is it that you're here to to defend, talk about, uh, nerd out with with me today? So I'm a big Star Trek guy, right? Like I, I love, I love me some Star Trek. Um, I've always been a fan, and I want to talk about the trilogy of movies that started with the J.J. Abrams Enterprise, uh, Enterprise uh, Star Trek movie in 2009, and how they relate to the original series. So I guess the first question's got to be. Do you like the, I think we call them the Kelvin timeline, is that correct? Yeah, so the, the Kelvin timeline, because of the the point of divergence, as it were, for these for this uh, universe, is uh, when the USS Kelvin was destroyed. So, fan of the, of, the, of the new movies, the shiny new 21st century movies? So, this is actually really funny, because up until yesterday, I was. Until yesterday? Yesterday, so as a time at the, this point of recording, yesterday I decided to rewatch Star Trek 09, which is what we call the the first one. I haven't seen it in a really long time at this point. It's been a few years, and I last time I did it, I went through all three of them with my fiance, and I was like Star Trek 09, good. Star Trek Into Darkness, terrible. Star Trek Beyond, great. And I was watching Star Trek 09, and I was sitting there, and I'm like. None of this movie makes any sense. And I such a weird, such a weird glass breaking moment that I had where I was like, have I been wrong about this movie my whole life? So you've defended this movie to others. You've stood up on your soapbox and you shouted from the rooftops that this is actually a good movie and is just as valid as any other Star Trek. And yesterday, 100%. and yesterday the camera zoomed into you and you heard that little shatter as you watched it and you realized it was not actually a good film. It's really weird that it happened. And like, admittedly, my opinions on movies change a lot. I, like, I I really liked Thor: Love and Thunder recently. I, like, when I first watched that movie, I was like, "This is a good movie." And the past few months, I'm like, "Actually, what was I thinking? That's a terrible movie." I so side point. I think Marvel are really good at making you think a movie's excellent in the cinema mm. when it's big and it's flashy, and then you get it home and you watch it kind of like a home release, even if you've got a good space to watch it, and it's actually not that good. There's a lot of movies. So I, um, real quick plug. So I, I'm a writer, um, and I uh, I write a series on a website. It's called Revisiting the Infinity Saga, um, 50 Greatest Moments of the MCU. And I'm so like I pick a moment and I talk about it throughout the first 
11 years of the MCU from 2008 to 2019. And when I rewatch those movies, I still love them. I'm still really into them. I like Doctor Strange, Captain America, Witch Soldier. There's there's ones that I'm not crazy about, like like Iron Man 2 or Thor The Dark World, where I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But there's still enough in there for me. But Phase 4 ended up being such a, a mixed bag where I'm like, do I do I still like Marvel? <laughs> like, so like, so like, clearly like my opinions on movies change over years or, or over months or whatever because I'm pretty malleable as a person. But my opinion on Star Trek 09 has been so steadfast for, God, how many years has it been? Like 13 years since that movie came out? And for whatever reason, just yesterday I was like, oh no. <laughs> So up until yesterday, you were like, yes, I'm here to defend it. I'm here to say that this is a good movie. And then yesterday, you've decided it's not a good movie, which is okay. We can work with that. We're, we're going to keep going. We're going to work with that. I guess my first kind of real question is, how did you get into the original property? There's three. So there's three. Actually, actually there's three three answers to this question. Give me all three. So the, the first answer is, when I was very young, I had the stomach flu. And I had to stay home from school. And... One day I was flipping through the channels on my parents' TV because they had all the good channels. They had cable. And I was going through and I saw Star Trek. And I was like, oh, I like star-based things. And it was the original series. Now, I cannot remember for the life of me what episode of the original series it was. But I remember really liking it. It was really bold and bright. And and, and then, so like, then another point, another answer to that question is when I was also very young around the same time maybe months apart i was at my grandmother's house and i was once again flipping through the channels of television as i often did as a kid and star trek the next generation was on and i was like oh this sounds cool i like i like that one episode of star trek so I, I watched star trek the next generation that's where i got hooked though that's when i started to be like every day on spike tv or tnt network or whatever it was called at the time i think it's the paramount network now um, I would, I would tune in to a new episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I watched every single one that that would air. Um, I really adored that show. But Star Trek 09, I was, oh my god, I was so excited for this movie. I was, I was, I was. It it, it had been years since the last Star Trek movie. At this point, I would, I w had gone to the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas for years with my dad. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, a new Star Trek movie, a big budget Star Trek movie. They were saying, this isn't your grandfather's Star Trek movie. And I was like, you're right. I'm so excited because I've been seeing my grandfather's Star Trek movie. Like, I was so excited for this movie. And I, I defended it even before it came out. I was, I was like, there are Trekkies on forums and things where they were like, oh, this is not my Star Trek. And I'm like, no, but it could still be good. And I, I, I was there midnight opening day. I i love that movie. i love that movie i would love the experience of it i remember exactly where i was what theater i was in it was so cool it was such a cool moment of time so i actually have to to agree with you i also saw this at the midnight showing um and remember the cinema and stuff because we got some uh like when they used to give out promo stuff if you turned up to the midnight showing so i've yeah. got a an imax uh glow in the dark print from which i could actually see from from where i'm sat at my desk uh oh, from that funny. showing uh, so it's J.J. Abrams, isn't it? So it was it was a director, a big Hollywood director who did big Hollywood things, making Star Trek sexy, maybe for the first time for a lot of people. Certainly in in a lot of mass media. Well, not for the first time because Enterprise would like to say would like to say it was the first sexy Star Trek. 
Enterprise would like to say that in indeed. Um, <laughs> That's true. But, but you know, we can say these things and they not be true. Um, and I think that's mm -hmm. very true for Enterprise. Um, but I mean, Enterprise, I think, was sexy, but still within that kind of core fan base, it didn't entice new, that many new audiences in the same way. Enterprise is such an interesting show because it was, it has this, it has a lot of moments. The decontamination chamber was—that's what it was called. It was this. It was this plot idea to get your actors in nothing. Let's strip them down and rub lotion on them. And it was always a different lotion that Doctor Flox had. Like use this lotion to get all the bacteria off of you. And it was the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, what's happening? And like it was about the time where I was like, I think I was like fifth. I was at fifteen when it was ended. So like it was Star Trek. Star Trek Enterprise was like. So like that was very much like oh my goodness to Paul <laughs> trip what's happening why are you taking your clue why are you rubbing each other never mind carry on yeah right carry on you're good I'm I'm okay with this actually um it, I I I still like Enterprise like I'll defend Enterprise too but um but yeah Star Trek Nine was definitely like the 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 one where <sighs> I remember specifically this one bit of trivia during the behind the scenes stuff the lead up to it when they were when they were talking about redesigning the enterprise and they were like well, the enterprise was like this corvette in space you know like they're all starships were like old and dusty but the enterprise was like a sick new hot rod and i was like now even as a kid i was like yeah it is yeah it's even it's got 19 a years old. stripe <laughs> yeah and i was like it's 19 years old I was like yeah it's the it's the it's the corvette in space but like <laughs> The original, the original series, the Enterprise is old. When when we first meet the Enterprise, it was it, it was launched in twenty. I'm here's how big of a nerd I am. The Enterprise was launched in twenty two forty five. Kirk took command of the Enterprise in twenty two sixty five. So that ship was twenty years old by the time Kirk took over. And have you ever sat on like a plane that's not from the last decade, or like a, a train or a bus? Like you can tell when those things are old. Oh yeah, it's not comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, they wanted to make the Enterprise like this the sexy new thing because they had the sexy new cast of, of all these young actors who were um who were these kind of hot up and comers, except for Simon Pegg. No offense to Simon Pegg, but I don't think they picked him for a sex appeal. Um and uh Zachary Quinto, when he was cast as Spock, everyone was like, Oh my god, perfect, because Zachary Quinto is an incredible actor. They wanted to see him everywhere. And Chris Pine, who was this hot young actor at the time, he's still a hot middle-aged actor now. I don't know how he did it. And then Zoe Saldana, who was, I think, a, we had just seen an Avatar, and we had been seeing her in a few other things up up until this point. And like, so, and then Anton Yelchin, who everyone loved, even even as a kid, like this, like Anton Yelchin was an incredible talent, even even before Star Trek. Um, like, and and um, John Cho was. It's just this also like everyone, everyone in that cast was this actor that everyone knew from something else. And they were all like the sexy versions. And you like you saw it like I remember specifically looking at a magazine. I remember the exact place I was standing looking at this magazine. It's weird how memory works. And I looked at it and there was like there's a big like three or four page breakdown on the new star trek movie hadn't come out yet and because the cast had just been announced and i looked at that cast and it was like it was literally like 
we got the sexier versions of the original series. Like if you just looked at a side by side, it was like, what if Uhura was sexy? It's Zoe Saldana. What if William Shatner was sexy? It's Chris Pine. And like, it was so clearly that it was so, honestly, it's well cast. Not just because they're sexier variants of them, but because it's well cast. I, so I think talking of his actions, I think actually the recasting of these very iconic characters, I think you're right. I think it's one of the best recastings we've had potentially mm -hmm. in, in cinema, particularly when those actors were still around and very recently had still been making movies and TV shows on the original uh, timeline before the mm -hmm. new the new sexy time why don't we call it the kelvin timeline we should call it the sexy timeline really it's the that, sexy timeline that's what they were going for but you're so right i remember looking in shops and seeing kind of magazine like total film or empire magazines and they'd be really glossy pictures of of the actors from from star trek in their uniforms and their uniforms are pretty dorky like it's a brightly colored jumper and some black trousers but it oozed sex appeal it was for the masses it wasn't for nerds in mum's basement and it wasn't for you know hiding on the depths of bbc2 which is where star trek used to air in the uk um mm -hmm. it was you know it was it was in the cinema and you actually would go to the odeon or Cineworld, and you would go and see it this was a choice you'd make a choice to go and see a star trek movie not just put it on when you were sick and like yeah i think the casting was a huge part for the re uh, well a huge influence on why so many people may have paid more attention to this movie in the run-up to its release than previously and i think people still look at those films in regards to the casting because if you there's always this talk about star trek 4 like that you know are we going to get the fourth film no. um the, and, i mean but like the the production of that film has been plagued at this point it's cursed um we've lost more direct we've hired a director we've lost a director uh but like they they they've struggled so much to get this uh to get this fourth film off the ground but people still want it and i think because of the cast people still want to see this cast together even though we've lost anton yelchin now people still want this cast to come together again because their dynamic was so engaging and by that by that third film it felt like they were those characters that felt like they were just as valid as kirk and spock and mccoy as leonard nimoy william shatner and deforest kelly i would agree with that i'd say they are they were still probably the people i would pick if you asked me to pick people to play for an adaption of this of, of star trek as a property they are probably still some of the people that i would pick to play them i can't think of anyone that would be like oh it should be really good if this person did it instead no notes, great casting. Still solid stand-up casting 15 years later. Uh <laughs> yeah, there's really there's really nothing like there's always like when people look at like reboots and things that people are like, oh man, you know, you know, at the, nowadays this person could play this person. It's like, no, there is no one else who could play Captain Kirk at this point, even though they did it. I'm not convinced that that, that Paul Wesley's casting in Strange New Worlds yet. But um they look at like um Chris Pine's like, no, that that's Captain Kirk. Chris Pine is Captain Kirk. There is no one else in, in this moment in time who could play Captain Kirk besides Chris Pine. So I think I think it's clear that this this adaption does mean a lot to you or, or you're very passionate about it. But but why? Why does it mean so much to you? Growing up in the mid 2000s prior to the MCU was rough for nerds. Like it's it is well documented how difficult our lives were we were the butt of every joke every movie that was 
up until Iron Man, every movie that was based on a comic book movie, on a comic book property was like, this is that, this is that, but cool. This is X-Men, but cool. We put this them in is, leather. It's we cool put them now. in leather. It's cool now. Like, you know, it's like they so desperately wanted to make the general public like these movies, like these characters, that they would change them in a fundamental in such a fundamental way as to do that. And I'm not saying that to say that Star Trek didn't do that because they 100% did. Um, but for me as a kid, I ate that up. I was like, yeah, I'm cool now. <laughs> you right? still feel cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I, like I, I was so, I was so, I mean, nowadays I don't give a shit. I've got a podcast called The Fake Nerd Podcast. I really don't care. Um, we won. And the end of the day, geeks won vindication um, yeah we we have the we have the biggest property the biggest franchise of all time is based on comic books like we won there's no there's no putting us down anymore we are pop culture and but prior to to that with the 2009 star trek movie like i was just so pumped that people would take me seriously now right like people were talking to me about star trek like well, what's this mean about Star Trek? And what does this have to do with the original series? And like, I, I could explain to them, well, actually, it's a parallel dimension. And blah, blah, blah. like, I, you can't, the audio people can't see this, but I did lift up my glasses. Um, <laughs> like, you know, so like, it, it was the, really the first time that I kind of felt validation as a nerd. Um, there was Star Trek merchandise. Like, they sold the Enterprise. And I had the phaser and the communicator from this movie because like, you could buy them at Target. Like these were not specialty shops. This was Target had action figures of Kirk and Spock and McCoy and maybe not McCoy, but like definitely Kirk and Spock. And they had the Enterprise as a toy that kids could play with. And I I do know that there were toys of Star Trek and uh, for decades. There's always been toys of Star Trek and things like that, but they weren't done to the mass appeal that this movie really tried to sell. Again, that's that's. Do you think that's because it's a Hollywood blockbuster rather than a well-made TV series? Do you think the the Hollywood movie machine gave it that opportunity to have merchandise and such things? Yeah, I think so. I think like the the idea of like you know Star Trek being this being a blockbuster, which and we'll get into it, but that's a complete an utter fallacy like the idea of, of turning star trek into a blockbuster was such a big risk this was a move this this star trek movie cost more than any of the star trek movies had at at, at this point and they I mean the space like, whales didn't cost that much what a shock i know right like i mean and not just because it was a different time back then because nemesis and star trek 09 there's not that big of a gap uh, i mean there's a big gap but it's like comparatively speaking it's a small gap but nemesis was still a relatively lower budget film and it still lost money that that's the only star trek movie in history i think to lose money at the box office so paramount now looking to do something else wanted to reboot the franchise and it's really insane to me that they said okay so yes the last star trek movie lost money but let's do that let's do another one with more money and let's see what happens I mean, it clearly paid off for Paramount in the same way that Iron Man's paid off for, for Marvel. You know, yes. I don't think we'd have the Star Trek TV stuff 
anywhere near the quality, like it or not, Discovery probably would not exi have existed and been such a sleek, modern television production if it hadn't been for um, the 09 series breaking no, that way. You're 100% correct. You know, you look at Paramount. Nowadays, Marvel is... There's a couple of things you said there that I kind of want to bounce off of. So Marvel... Uh, people think Marvel is a Disney property, but at the time, 2009, 2008, it was a Paramount property. Yep. Um, so Paramount had just had had just had just Iron Man come out, and it was a huge hit for them. And then Star Trek came out, another huge hit for them. Um, I think the stupidest thing Paramount ever did was let go of Marvel. Um, and I... I often think about what marvel would look like under paramount and i'm not honestly sure i could there's the argument that could be made it probably wouldn't have been as big but i'm so curious about that alternate universe at this point the the paramount timeline the paramount timeline um and we have a running joke on our podcast um because paramount's been killing it these past couple of years with top gun maverick scream 5 scream 6 um dungeons and dragons and so we have this running gag of like um, uh, of like swooning over Paramount, like you know the old like uh, with the like the fans like oh Paramount. Um, <laughs> I mean, pa so Paramount is Paramount at the moment is definitely um, kicking way harder than Warner Brothers are because Warner Brothers are. I, I mean, do they even really exist at this point? We know they do, but they're certainly not. <laughs> uh, where's yeah. that Flash movie gone? Hmm? Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, like, how's, how's that Fantastic Beast series going? We'll, we'll just um, we'll ignore that too. Oh, pa my God. Pa Paramount are. Uh, hitting hard with what they've got and yeah they absolutely should not have sold Marvel I would love to think of the world we'd have if not for, I don't think phase four would have certainly been what it was I'm not even sure we'd have got to a phase four that's that's a really good point like who knows if it would even have been able to make Endgame would have looked completely different and might have not even happened I mean um, Endgame kind of sucked so meh oh I liked Endgame yeah, we'll go back and rewatch it and shatter that glass <laughs> again. Cause... Who knows? Maybe someday. Um, <laughs> but I don't believe that Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, whatever, would look the way they do, specifically on, a, on an aesthetic level, without Star Trek 09. I think if we lived in a world and it's where Star Trek Discovery still comes out without the Kelvin timeline movies in between Nemesis and Discovery, then... Discovery would look very similar to the 1960s because Paramount would probably do what they did with um, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Like, with Star Trek The Motion Picture, on the only reason Star Trek The Motion Picture exists is because of Star Wars. Star Wars came out, Paramount was like, we want, a we want, a we want some of that tea. Um, let's put out a Star, let's put out a, a star faring movie. Um, and they got Tesla a Space Odyssey. <laughs> um, but the... But but so like if they if they saw the success of Star Wars again and so like say hypothetically in the world where the same world where Paramount doesn't sell Marvel, <laughs> um, the Kelvin timelines don't happen that doesn't happen. Discovery comes out. I think Discovery, Strange New Worlds, whatever, would look like they did in the '60s. We would get this exact same ship again with the 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 Technicolor buttons on their consoles and things like that. I don't think we would get the sleek touchscreen designs that we see in these prequel shows. Do you think that was the right decision then? Because I know a lot of fans would say that it's unfaithful to the original or kind of um, not respecting its source material. I think I would, I think I'm happy either way, personally. There's, there's an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine where they go back in time to Kirk's Enterprise and um, 
uh, uh, trials and tribulations. Um, and it's a, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes, quite frankly. And so they, they're looking at, they're looking at all the technology that's clearly in the, in their past. And it's, in our past too and they're like looking at all the the tricorders like oh look at the wood finish of the tricorder so retro and like oh look at all these buttons look at all this big technology and so like that that's really cool that was really cool and it's really awesome to acknowledge that it's really awesome to see that that old ship and see cisco talk to kirk and it's it's cool and then in star trek enterprise there's an episode where the there's a two episode arc where it's set in the mirror universe and they find a ship from their future is exactly as it was in the original series with the with the buttons and things and it Star Trek Enterprise slavishly tried to look more retro than the 60s which was very difficult for them to do and so to have them like set foot on a 60s era starship exactly the remodeled model exactly exactly to the specifications that it looked like in the 60s and had to be like look at these sleek new designs and buttons look how high tech this ship is and i'm like i like it for aesthetic reasons but like this is kind of dumb do you think that was a bit hammy do you think that kind of um that's not sexy star trek is it that's kind of hammy i think it could have gone either way like the world where star trek strange new worlds is trying to recreate the 60s aesthetic of Star Trek, I'm sure could have been fine, but I do really like the new design for the Enterprise. I, I think it's the way, I think much more than the than the Kelvin timeline films, the Star Trek World Enterprise looks far more like a an updated version of Kirk's. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time where a technically, a quote unquote adaptation acknowledged the original timeline that it's from um yes i uh that is my understanding as well uh obviously you then had um the x-men did that in days of future future past days of tomorrow never mortal yesterday. Kombat did it yeah but they're all kind of after uh star trek who yeah and, and I, I think I they think... were very open about it is my recall as well they were like yes this is this is starting the same but it ends up different this is a different future that we are making yeah, and I think that's really interesting that like Star Trek Online like is a trope now. Like it's the Star Trek the the, the Star Trek Online trope. Uh, I'm sure if you look on tropes.com, it'll 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 be there as, listed as that. Where like you go some, and something goes back because technically the movie is set after Nemesis because of that. It's not a prequel anymore; it's a sequel. And it, and because because if we're following Spock's timeline, old Spock is in it to kind of usher in this new this new cast. And and I find that so fascinating that like. The, the movie is quite frankly groundbreaking in the sense that it, it established a, a completely new trope of media of like, well, now we don't have to reboot anymore. We can just make time travel wibbly wobbly make sense. And we can, and that gives us carte blanche to do anything. And I don't think Marvel will have, well, Marvel messed around with their timeline. X-Men did. I don't think any of that would have happened without Star Trek making it such a prominent, uh, yeah, the front of their stall, wasn't it? It was like, yep. We're fucking it up. We're fucking around yeah. with it. And I, and I, I don't think Mortal Kombat would have done it if Star Trek hadn't happened. Uh, because the Mortal Kombat games, I think 9, has Raiden send a message to his his past self. Um, and, and because of that, changes the timeline of events of Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3. Um, and then from there, completely changes the timeline. And, and, Star, and Star Trek 09, doing that 
was like this refreshing thing of like, oh, this isn't, this isn't, you're not adapting the original series. You created something new out of the original series. You, you have acknowledged the past, whereas you, where you, where you have, have moved it on. Do you think uh, that was part of the reason for its success? Because you didn't have to know all this Star Wars lore or history or knowledge, Star Trek. You didn't have to know any of this Star Trek lore, knowledge, history before jumping in with, with the 09 film. You could just watch it having never ingested anything before. Yeah, I think it I think it successfully marketed itself as, hey, you think Star Trek is for nerds? Well, this Star Trek is sexy, as we've been saying. That's the word of the day. Um, it's big, it's flashy, and it's the origin story of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Sulu, and you don't need to know anything going into it. So I have one final question for you. And yes. this is this is this is the this is the big question. Imagine someone has never seen Star Trek. How would you suggest they engage with Star Trek for the first time? Where do they where do they join? I I think the perfect place to go for Star Trek. I hope you can't hear that. Um, I think the perfect place to go with Star Trek right now. If you've never seen Star Trek, if you've never engaged with Star Trek, if you've never done any, if, if you've only heard about Star Trek, I think the perfect place to start with Star Trek is actually Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's Which is a, a bit of an adaption on the original Star Trek. Right. But it's modern. It's got a likable cast of, of diverse crew members. Um, they're all sexy. Um, and you um, and you get this, you, you get you get those kind of one-off episodes, these kind of standalone episodes that kind of prepare you for more Star Trek. If you start with Star Trek Strange New Worlds, I think it creates a, a really good gateway to move from that show to other shows. And you can, and by that point, you have your pick. You can go to Enterprise, you can go to Deep Space Nine, you can go to the original series if you want, but you could also go to Discovery. You could also go to, to Picard. You could go anywhere you want from there. Um, and I think that's, that's the perfect i think they have inadvertently made the perfect jumping on jumping off point for star trek with star trek strange new worlds but you're not saying the 09 movie is the right place to start i hmm if, if you wanted to watch an exciting an exciting movie with these characters with the, with an approximation of what you probably <laughs> think these characters are then sure, then sure, yes, Star Trek 09 would be a would be a place to go. But if you wanted to get into Star Trek, I think you would end up being very disappointed going from 09 to Into Darkness to Beyond to the original series, for example, because you're going to have an idea of who these characters are. That is not who they are in the original series. I mean... They're 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 fluffy. They're light. They're exciting. They're fast. Like that first Star Trek film, the pacing of that first Star Trek film is insane. Like uh, the, the that movie is like they they what they were trying to do, they nailed it. Like quite frankly, they they were like, we need to get this cat by the end of this movie. This cast needs to be on the bridge, and we need to get there as fast as humanly possible. And they do. Um, the 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 Corvette analogy of the Enterprise is is apt because that movie moves um star trek of the darkness does not move and star trek beyond is an incredible movie uh, i love that movie um i just just constantly will always say i love star trek beyond um 
so like if you want to get people into Star Trek, I'm not sure it's the best place to go, but it's not a terrible place to go. It, it, you have, I do think like for like a 12 year old, it's very, very easy for like a 12, 13 year old to kind of be to kind of like, they've got malleable brains still. They can still kind of form their opinions. Whereas if you're like 20, you know, it'd be a lot difficult to be like, wait a second, this is my grandfather's Star Trek. <laughs> I, I, I will concede to agree with you uh, on that and that kind of brings us to the end of talking about uh, the adaption of Star Trek um, do you have anything else you'd like to say your last soapbox moment before you can shamelessly plug anything you like oh I I, I came off I, I, I'm shocked I want to say I am shocked at how harsh I came out of Star Trek 09 with this podcast um, I did not expect my opinion to be this when you I came, first, you came for this movie, man. I was not I st- expecting I did. it. I, 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 I approached this to you with the idea that I like this movie, and I do, and I, and I, oh, well, I did. Um, and who knows? Maybe next week I'll watch it and be like, hey, I really like this movie. But like, for whatever reason, something changed in me. So it was very fascinating to to explore these these frankly new thoughts that I had. Like, I've I've heard I've had some of these thoughts for years. I've heard some of these thoughts, but like a lot of this was like brand new feelings for me. And this was a lot of fun to kind of like really dig into what, what didn't work about the, what actually doesn't work about the Star Trek movie. What, what, where do they completely fail or drop the ball? Um, Cause I, I, I think in hindsight, they, they really did far, far harder than I thought they did originally. Do you think it's cause we now have new sexy, shiny, glossy Star Trek on the small screen to compare it to? I think so. I think I was thinking about this. I was like, is it because I have Strange New Worlds that I don't like this movie? Is it because you've now got a better adaptation of the adaptation and you're like, oh, I think I think that's I think that might be I think that might be it because I, I I love Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Like Strange New Worlds is to me by far the best Star Trek show on the air right now. When I watch that that show, I feel happy and like I, I feel like I'm watching Star Trek when I watch this movie. I was like, it's if I squint and tilt my head at Star Trek. Fair, fair. Okay, go on. Shamelessly plug whatever you're going to plug. Um, let's see. I don't want to plug everything because I do a lot. So I'm Brandon C. McClure of the Fake Nerd Podcast. Um, if you guys have never heard of me, that's fine. The Fake Nerd Podcast is a podcast family with tons of shows. Uh, the Fake Nerd Podcast is, is a show. You can go and check it out every Sunday live. Uh, where we talk about movies and news and comic books, TV shows, what have you. Uh, but you can find all that stuff on FakeNerdPodcast.com, FakeNerdPodcast on all the social medias, and you can find me and my writings at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Amazing. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Adapted by the Narrative Labyrinth. I've been your host, Rachel, and you can find all episodes of Adapted and the Narrative Labyrinth on all major and minor podcasting channels and social media platforms all you need to do is search for the narrative labyrinth music in this episode has once again been composed by cj you can find them on soundcloud and their link is in the description thank you all very much for listening live long and prosper 